You could grow anything down there. You yep. can you can eat a parrot. Are you joking my ass? No. <laughs> <laughs> What are we drinking then, Ryan? What do we got going on here? Sydney has us drinking a very summery drink. It's a cucumber mint kettle one vodka with lemonade lovingly made by Tyler's wife, Shelby. Yep. With muddled mint that Tyler grew himself. Tell us about your fresh, mint. Fresh mint here. Fresh so mint. Mint, if you don't know, grows like a weed. <laughs> it's amazing. It really is. It smells so good in your backyard. The intention was, actually, I wanted to grow the mint because you can smoke mint. <laughs> you can. Supposedly. That's a, super weird. I have no idea what the portion is you're supposed to drink this oh. drink at. She didn't tell Did us Did she give either. us a recipe? No. No recipe. So that's like a free-for-all at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so 90% vodka. So uh, One leaf of mint. We're, we're well muddled. We're misting lemonade over the drink. <laughs> and misting lemonade. I like it. All right. So you're going to do the pour, you, huh? I don't even so know let's how see. you muddle. What, what's well, muddling involving? Um, that's a great question. What's that, that sounds real. What's a poultice? Is that a is that a decathlon event? The poultice. Yeah. I think yeah. I think that comes after the swimming. The, the swimming. <laughs> <laughs> is that? <laughs> uh, and I'm pretty sure muddling is when you confuse the mint with a series of riddles. Is that, that correct? Is? I think so. <laughs> but I think instead of that, we'll just crush it up in this little. You don't crush it. You crush it do you dry. Not? I don't know. I'm assuming Dude, you this do is crush not it up. dry mint. Let's Google. Let's Google the muddling. Got, I'm on it. All right. That's all I Go, Sean. Google that muddling. The, the ones and twos and research on the, <laughs> on the fly. Now, if it was meddling, I know how to meddle. <laughs> meddle. Meddle this mint. <laughs> you sure meddled me there, Sean. How to muddle mint. Gently mash the mint three to four times to release the juices. That's all it is. Okay. Ooh, listen to that muddling. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That is some muddled mint. And it does smell delicious. So now what do I do with it? I think you put that right in your drink. That substance is called a poultice. So that's a poultice. Oh, you're right. That's See, a poultice. And here was I thinking it was a so decathlon event. You're going to put it in there and then pour over? I think so. I thought that you'd put it as like a garnish. I guess I should. I don't know if you can get any kind of... Oh, yeah. Let's get that pour sound. Dude, that's dope. Ryan did a very generous pour for himself. I didn't. I might have to go back and get more. Smelling smelling just the vodka in there. You definitely get the cucumber. I think it's very preeminent for sure. I think it's pronounced cucumber. Cucumba. Cucumba. Oh, that, that sounds real. I don't smell mint. <laughs> I don't either. The mint is gone. Like fresh mint has a little bit of a spice smell to it. And I'm yeah, not even yeah. I'm not even I'm getting maybe that. They said so with weird. lemonade, so okay. I guess you have to kind of do a little lemonade. Add some of that lemonade. All right, first taste. Okay, cheers, Sydney. Thank you for Thank uh, you. suggesting this. Oh, that's a summer drink for sure. Oh, it's refreshing. I don't taste any vodka. Taste lemon and cucumber. Well, I think the vodka is the cucumber, right? So, like, <laughs> so it's, the vodka, I think, is just cucumber. Yeah. We have more mint, so I'm going to muddle some more mint. I think this is mint. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Uh, I taste. No, it, uh, it's, it's mint. I taste it's rosemary. Mint. It's mint. Sean just ran out and grabbed some more herbs for us. That's what he did. Dude, this mint does love- not smell like mint. I think you provided us with sage, Tyler. No, eat, <laughs> eat, it. eat it. Eat it. Yes, it's Sean's mint is delicious. No, no. Maybe mine's like not. Dude, uh, it's even furry on the outside. That's <laughs> this is way different. Yeah, my mint's weak compared to your mint. I'm- now I clearly can smell and taste the mint. There we go. That's what we needed. <laughs> the mint is not necessary. <laughs> I think Tyler's sage is the worst of all mints. Still refreshing drink. That is a fine drink. Fine drink. So, Tyler, what are we uh, talking about today? 
Uh, first, we wanted to clarify really just why we started the podcast and kind of explain the name a little bit and kind of what our vision for this whole thing is. So to explain the name Lush Layman, Lush has kind of a double entendre. Lush is kind of a tongue in cheek way to talk about someone who drinks. But also Lush has this meaning to where like you think of a Lush garden or a tree that is growing and, and doing really well and producing fruit. And then a layman is just someone who is kind of an everyday guy, doesn't do church for a living. They're not a vocational pastor. So anyone that's a Christian is a layman. So then the meaning really is we want laymen, your everyday folks, to be lush, to be fruitful, to grow, to to produce fruit. Yeah. And that's why we keep it 30 minutes. That's why we're trying to keep it short because laymen don't have time for that. You got jobs. So this is like the podcast intended for you to just get to the point. But really, like, we're just two dudes that work normal jobs and want to see other people read more about God and really interact with God and the gospel more. So our subject today and our topic and what we want all laymen to know about is the, the means of grace. So that's mm. going to be our topic that we're talking about today. But first, we have to define first, Ryan, what is grace? Grace, I think the technical term would be God's unmerited favor, uh, where instead we deserve wrath. Uh, being adopted as God's children instead of being his enemies through the person and work of Jesus. So the means of grace would be the way by faith God conveys or gives us grace. And Chad Bird, I think I've mentioned on this before, 40 minutes in the Old Testament podcast. He's, he's like our life coach that he has no idea who we are. <laughs> he has no idea. But I see him as a dear friend. Friend of the show. <laughs> yeah, he's a friend of the show. So Chad Bird is one of the guys who does the 40 Minutes in the Old Testament podcast. If you haven't checked that out, that's a great resource. Mm -hmm. Hours and hours of content. So much content uh, in 40-minute increments that they're really good at keeping. But those guys go over some stuff, Chad Bird specifically, and his quote is that God attaches his promises to physical things so that we can receive them. He traces this out a lot in God's Old Testament promises and God's Old Testament law and ways that God provided to the people of Israel to receive God in a structured way that had boundaries. We're going to say that they are physical ways that we interact with the invisible God. Yeah. We want to be very clear that this is not a works-based receiving of grace, but that this is actually the way that grace is conveyed through like mystery, but it's also, it's all God's doing, but he provides these things for us to interact with him, if that makes some sense. Yeah. It's like a reaching out of your hand to receive a gift that's given to you freely. Mm -hmm. The gift is not something that you have to work for. It's provided for you, it's given to you, and it's offered to you, and God is holding it out to you. And the means of grace are ways that we just take a hold of it. That's right. And then Calvin, actually, he has a quote that says that faith is an empty hand reaching towards heaven to receive. We even tie this to the Old Testament, and even through Exodus and the whole law, it really is God establishing a pattern of how he interacts with humanity. Yeah, structure and boundaries. and That's right. And that's not different than how any of us order our lives right. uh, with relationships to other people. That's right. We are always going to be setting terms for yeah. how our relationships work with others. And God does the same. Yeah. 
Uh, it also goes really badly in the Old Testament when you do not do this stuff. <laughs> yeah, when you don't obey the boundaries of just regular human beings, those relationships can end. But yeah, there's specific examples in the Old Testament yeah. where people have gone against God's set up ways to interact with him and receive the consequences like Aaron's sons, Nahab and Abihu. That's right. So instead of doing what the law commanded and offering like a sacrifice in the right order, the right way, the terms that God set, yeah. they did it their own way. And it didn't go well from what happened was they they were consumed by fire because they went outside of the bounds that God has placed. Yeah. And so this is this is serious at the same time where we can't just make up means of grace. We don't just get to do that. We are always going to be grounded in what God's word says and by extension what God has set up in order for us to interact with him. Yeah, and that's fair. God can't be reached by man, so he's taken it upon himself to reach out and establish relationship with us and has every right mm -hmm. to dictate how that relationship progresses, how it goes, how we interact with him, how we receive yeah. the gifts that he has for us. None of us are entitled That's right. to relationship with God, but God has condescended or come down yeah. uh, from his high, high place to interact with us and love us and give of himself to us mm -hmm. and has every right to establish the structure and boundaries for that. And that's why they're gracious. And they're that's gracious why they're gracious. It is God giving things to us that convey this grace. Yeah. So mm -hmm. he doesn't have to. He sets the terms and then gives it to us. Yeah. So uh, what are some of these ways? What are the, the means of grace? So we're going to talk about the means of grace being the Word of God, fellowship, prayers, and then the sacraments, which is baptism or communion. And communion is also sometimes called the Lord's Supper. So as we run through these things, we're going to kind of look at defining these. We're going to also see how the gospel is connected in these things. Yeah. And then also how we participate in them and then how grace is communicated through them. Yeah. We talked about the word is one of the foundational things that we've built the podcast up around just to retouch on that the word is specifically referring to the bible mm -hmm. uh, reading the bible or hearing the bible preached whether that be on a sunday or through other means taught on you know like your small group as you go through the word together the word specifically is the bible that's right. And it's conveying the gospel because obviously when we're reading the Bible, we're supposed to be finding Christ in the whole of Scripture from yeah. Old to New Testament and receiving in any way in the Old Testament or New the way that the Scripture is speaking about the gospel. Yeah, and that's a big deal. We'll uh, end up doing a whole episode on that. But un having an understanding that the entirety of Scripture is about Jesus from cover to cover. Yeah is important and essential for a proper understanding of God's interaction with humankind. That's right. So we receive grace by the reading of the word, by the preaching of the word, by teaching the Bible. And we participate this in directly reading the words of scripture. Yeah. We participate in this by sitting under sound preaching. Yep. And it is designed directly for God to meet with us as we read the scriptures. And that's incredible. The fact that we have a God who gave us his direct word and then worked through humanity to make it available to us through quite a lot of history is pretty incredible. It's awesome. The next one we're going to go through is fellowship. And this is like directly tied to really the grace given to you by the church. That's, that's kind of Christianese, I think. Mm -hmm. People hear fellowship, and it has a tendency to become just any kind of hanging out. 
Yeah. And that's not fellowship. Right. So fellowship is is specifically a sharing in of the love of Christ, meaning both uh, receiving the love of Christ and sharing it with each other. Probably you've heard it said, like, you know what, man, I just like to go out in the wilderness yeah. and, like, experience God. The only problem with that, like our like our friend Chad Bird likes to say, is the only problem with that is, well, the Bible. Mm-hmm. The, the Bible doesn't say that that is a means of grace. He doesn't say that that is a way to meet God. The Bible certainly says that God is expressed. That's right. Uh, his divine nature is known in nature. through creation right. and nature. So you can have limited experiences with seeing glimpses of God, but yeah. you cannot have a direct relational experience with God yeah. strictly through nature. And it's definitely not fellowship. It's definitely not you fellowship. Can't, you can't do fellowship on your own. It's not a yep. you and God relationship. The relationship from cover to cover of the scripture has always been God and his people. So you actually don't yeah. get to do it on your own. Yeah. Gospel connection in that is going to be um, really rooted in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit being a community in the Trinity. Mm-hmm. And we get to connect with the Trinity truly and understand the Trinity even more by doing what the Trinity does, and that is with being in relationship with others. Yeah, and we talked about this a bit last episode when we talked about God's nature and attributes in regards to Him being triune and therefore relational, and it's a way that we're made in the image of God and reflect Him to the universe. And like Christ in community, it's not easy, and we're often called to come and die to ourselves. Yeah. Like Christ died for us and he died to give us all things, but he died as a sacrifice. We're actually called to live sacrificial life for the community. That means our time, our effort, our money, our a whole experience of life should actually be wrapped around sacrificing for community, for fellowship. Yeah. And that means serving. Yeah. Participation. Participation, right? contributing in some way. That goes into giving up your preferences. Yeah. That goes into loving people and striving to love people genuinely and not just putting up with them. Another participation is being submissive to local elders. Church discipline is even a means of grace by which God is conveying grace to you through the church. And church discipline is a great example, but as with all of these, right. they're not simply received in and of themselves. Right. They require a specific heart posture, one of faith, one right. of receptivity. So when it comes to church discipline, uh, you can either be blessed by church discipline or not, right? depending on how you receive it. That's right. And by faith, it's a means of grace. It's yeah. a means by keeping you in God's sheepfold. Yeah. Uh, another one, very direct, similar to the reading of the word, is prayer, a personal communication with God, and that can either be with other people in fellowship, mm-hmm. uh, or this one can also be on your own. And one thing we want to hit on is that the Puritans often talked about praying out loud. <clears throat> mm-hmm. This is something we should all be doing, really. And I know it's kind of weird. We're just really used to kind of praying in our mind, which God does here, and that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But to say stuff out loud is going to be just a different connection that you have with the Lord. Anyone else that you talk to, you communicate verbally. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. So take time to actually verbally speak it out. And it's just going to be powerful time in prayer. Yeah. And that's also just a practical strategy in concentration. Mm-hmm. Making the extra effort to verbalize our thoughts to God helps actually focus us as well. It's something I found. And I had not uh, practiced this really until we started going through this. And mm-hmm. it has made a difference for me. The cool. biggest thing, again, in my experience of this so far has been being able to not get distracted within two or three minutes. Yeah, it's good. 
a gospel connection with prayer is to remember truly Christ purchased it on the cross for you. Yeah. Where you did not have a standing to come to God and mm-hmm. speak to him mm-hmm. because of Christ dying and tearing apart the enmity between you and him, you're able to speak to him as your father. Yeah. And this one has some real specific and cool connections to the Old Testament in regards to the Holy of Holies, the very specific area where the high priest of the Israelites could enter one time per year and had to do so with much fanfare and with fear for his life. This has now been purchased for us by Christ and his death and sacrifice, where the veil uh, at the death of Christ is torn. And in Hebrews, actually, it kind of connects this and says, we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And that's uh, Hebrews 10, 19 and 20. That's good. So like participation, we're able to pray with confidence as children of God, knowing that our father will not withhold anything from us. Yeah. And that's because God is not a withholding God. It says in Romans eight thirty two, didn't even withhold his own son, but gave him up for us all. So why that's wouldn't awesome. he give us everything else? Amen. Set aside time, a a routine of your time, and a specific place where you are praying and and praying out loud. None of these things happen without intentionality. Uh, You have to set aside time for this. And it's okay to have structure. Martin Luther wrote a a book, really, for his barber, just telling him how to pray because he's a a layman like us working a job, and he asked Martin Luther how to pray. So Martin Luther, being a good pastor, wrote a whole book about it. And basically the whole book is this. Martin Luther says, if you want to pray— Pray through these couple things. He says, pray through the Lord's Prayer, mm-hmm. pray through the Ten Commandments, and mm-hmm. pray through the Apostles' Creed. And that's all something we can do. We can pull up those documents, we can pull up that scripture, and we can just read through it and pray prompts that it's naturally giving us. Yeah, uh, And that's okay. It's okay to have structure to your prayer. It's okay to be loose of your prayer. It's also, also okay to use those as prompts to continue on into other prayer. Yeah. There can be, especially from folks who come from uh, a Catholic background, a bad taste in your mouth with structured prayers uh, mm-hmm. because those prayers can be repeated over and over without any heart behind them. But this, again, like anything else, uh, requires a heart of faith uh, in order to receive the gifts and benefits and grace that's associated with prayer yeah. and can also be great jumping off points. And one structure I really like to use and I'd really recommend is the structure of the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S, which stands for, uh, in your prayer, you're going to pray for adoration. You're going to go into a time of confession, mm-hmm. thanksgiving, and then supplication. So supplication yeah. is asking for things. So you're going to pray adoration, which is really worshipful to God, like just thanking him for who he is, acknowledging who he is, how powerful he is. And then confession is like truly be like, okay, God is great. And then confess how you're not great. Confess that you sin. Confess that you've fallen short. Confess that you're not holy as he is holy. And then thanksgiving is is then truly just going to the gospel and being like, but thank God you God that Christ died for me. Yeah. Thank you God that Christ died for me. He has given me all things. And you could even go into that point too. Also just thanking God for all the things you have, thanking God for where you're Mm -hmm. at in life, thanking God that you woke up that day Mm -hmm. and then supplication you move into, then you can ask for things. Well, Lord, would you provide this as well? That's so naturally flowing too. We're recognizing who God is, what God's done, uh, being amazed by him and his nature and, then we're confessing in comparison to God our shortcomings, yeah. 
thanking him for giving us Christ and making a way for us to be with him. And then supplication is uh, an outflowing as well, because we're like, God has given me all these things. God, won't you give other people things Mm -hmm. too? And so it's really a very natural uh, flowing of prayer. Love it. It's a, I think it's a good structure. Yeah. You might feel weird doing it the first couple of times, but after sure. that, it'll be so natural and it'll actually just make you pray more because it yeah. won't just be the structure. It'll be like your mind and by the spirit, you're going to be prompted to pray other things through that structure. Yeah. And it conditions you to look into this time rightly. Yeah. Two specific ones we want to really hit, obviously, in the means of grace are the sacraments, Mm -hmm. which are the Lord's Supper or communion and baptism. We'll probably end up going into these in a lot more detail at some point. Definitely. Yeah, you Uh, could. Yeah, because there's there's so much. But we'll start off just uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith in regards to the sacraments is that sacraments are holy signs and seals of the covenant of grace immediately instituted by God to represent Christ and his benefits, and to conform our interest in him, as also to put a visible difference between those that belong unto the church and the rest of the world, and solemnly to engage them to the service of God in Christ according to his word. Now, that's a lot. <laughs> so, Tyler, you want to break that down So, I'm going to try us? to summarize that the best I can. Good luck. So, yeah. Basically, what that's saying is that the sacraments of the Lord's Supper and communion are given to the people of God in the new covenant of grace immediately instituted by God. So, that he gives them to us to represent Christ. So, mm. as the Old Testament signs and, and seals pointed forward to Christ's mm-hmm. death and resurrection, these signs as well point to Christ's death, but in the past for Pointing us, obviously. Mm-hmm. Now, this is also, it says two different reasons. It says, one, to put a visible difference between those belonging to the church and the rest of the world. So, mm-hmm. only Christians participate in these things because yeah. we have the markers of faith, the markers yes. of the covenant of grace. Mm. And then these spur us on to worshiping, and it says the service to God in Christ. The whole really summary of here, this is all according to the Word. Yeah. So the Word is present, active, and being conveyed in all of the means of grace, but particularly in baptism and the Lord's Supper. And uh, you're reading a book uh, on some of this stuff by a guy whose name I can't pronounce. I believe it's Geard Huss Voss. I don't believe you. Yeah, I don't know. Voss. That's how you say it. Just go by the last Just name. Just go Voss. But he says this. He says, the sacraments depend on the word. The truth of scripture speaks in and through them. The sacraments are not separate from the word like the yeah. Catholics would teach. Right. But they are actually intrinsically conveying the word of Christ. It's kind of like containers. These things are given to us as containers, which contain the gospel message. Their power and their purpose is the gospel message received by faith. That's good. Without the word, sacraments are hollow. Yeah. Yeah. Without the word, sacraments don't convey anything. Yeah, they're not magic. That's right. They're not magic. They're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. By itself, it does not do anything because it's not in faith. Faith yeah. is always tied back to the Word of God. And you had mentioned that this is exclusive to Christians. That's right. That's why often these things are guarded by the elders. Yes. And we had mentioned Aaron's sons, Nahab and Abayu, being judged because they stepped outside 
of God's design mm-hmm. for receiving the grace that he was providing to them. There's mentions in Paul's letters of people stepping outside of the design for the sacrament of communion and experiencing sickness and, right. and all these things. And death. And death. These are serious. These are serious things yeah. to take seriously. And like we said before, you can't just make some of these things up and think that you're getting grace conveyed to you. You can't yeah. just make something up and call it a means of grace. The sacraments are gospelly connected and they're wrapped up together by conveying grace, mm-hmm. but also in mystery. Yeah, like, for sure. Especially the sacraments. Like, I don't necessarily understand how baptism conveys grace. Yep. And I don't understand how taking communion is necessarily conveying grace, but they are as we participate in these things. Yeah, we're going to jump into both of these specifically. Yeah. Specifically with communion. Communion is instituted by Christ at the Last Supper, which is the Passover meal. And Jesus connects the Passover history of Exodus to himself as its fulfillment and his death as the ultimate and final sacrifice for sin that saves us from God's wrath, the way that the Passover saved the Israelites from the plagues in Egypt. Again, this is mystery here. I don't know exactly how this works, but as you're taking communion, you are participating in Christ's death and taking it into yourself. Mm -hmm. The Passover meal actually saved those people. Yep. Taking communion saves you through faith by participating in Christ's death. Yeah. In the same way that blood on the doorposts and the sacrifice of the lamb saved the Israelites in Exodus. Yeah, that's right. When you take the wine... And the Mm -hmm. bread. Yeah. The bread truly is somehow through God's spirit, not actually, like you have to be particular with your language, but it is Christ's body broken for you. Yeah. And when you take the wine, it is Christ's blood shed for you. Yeah. And we're not saying that it literally becomes the body of Christ and it literally becomes the blood of Christ. But in its practical application, something mysterious happens where we participate in Christ's death. And and you're truly communing or like in a sense, having a heavenly meal with Christ himself. Mm -hmm. And that's where we actually do not like the view that says that the Lord's Supper or communion is just in remembrance. Yeah, it is in remembrance, but you are actually doing something spiritual there as well. Having grace conveyed to you by faith. Yeah, it is symbolic, but it also is a means of receiving God's specific grace. And it's important because communion specifically is a sanctifying means of grace. So that means that it's an ongoing thing that you do as often as you can in remembrance of what Christ's done, as he said, until he returns. And don't ask us how that works. But we're supposed to do it. (laughs) But we do it. And that one's an ongoing one. Baptism, Baptism. the other sacrament, is a one-time thing. Tell us about that one. You go for it. (laughs) (laughs) So baptism also has a lot of Old Testament connections Mm -hmm. in regards to creation, of the world being covered in the waters with Mm -hmm. the Spirit of God hovering over them, with Exodus and the parting of the Red Sea and the crossing through the Red Sea of the Israelites away from their oppressors. That is then extended out through all of the ceremonial cleansing and laws. It has a tremendous and rich history, and we'll dive into that again at some other point. (laughs) right. The main thing is it is a initiation Mm. means of grace. It's Mm. a start of the Christian life. Yeah. Again, in mystery, when you are baptized, you are buried with Christ Mm. and rise again. Mm -hmm. You are putting on Christ 
and living a new life. In and by faith. Yeah. And again, to reiterate that all these things are means of grace, but yet at conversion, all the grace needed for salvation is given to you. But to grow and to participate continually with God and his word, God gives us these things by faith to continue in this Christian life. Yeah. Dope. A couple of recommendations for you guys. A lot of these are hard because people write books and argue about what the means of grace are. Yeah. There's tons of different ideas of what this is. Um, so really trying to hone in on Protestant means of grace. And even in that, obviously, there's different views, which will give you different books on that. So this is a shotgun blast, a little bit of just kind of all over the place recommendations. So for the noob, what's that first one? This first one is one that it's been a tremendous impact on my prayer life. And it's helped me understand some structure and an intention behind prayer prayer and really enliven my prayer life. And that's With Christ in the School of Prayer Mm -hmm. by Andrew Murray. He basically goes through lines or portions of the Lord's Prayer step by step, the theological significance Mm -hmm. and how we can pray into and understand the doctrine of those things and what they really give us. So, for example, in the very, very beginning of the book and in the prayer is Our Father who art in heaven. And that in and of itself is rich. He goes into the meaning of our. Mm -hmm. He goes into the meaning of Father. He goes into why God is in heaven and why that's significant and important. And he goes through that throughout the entire book and really, really expands your understanding of prayer. Another noob one is The Essential Means of Grace by Paul Washer. Um, This book is 64 pages long. I think anyone can understand it. It's going to go through a lot of this stuff, really practical. It's going to be a pretty easy read. One I think is really good. This is a children's book, but anyone should read it. Anyone should get it. It's The Barber Who Wanted to Pray by R.C. Sproul. It's a kid's version of the book, just going over really Martin Luther's Mm -hmm. story on his barber and that whole him writing a book. It's phenomenal. You're going to benefit from it. Your kids are going to benefit from it, and it really does teach you how to pray. We also have on here Valley of Vision. There's no author on that one because it's a collection of Puritan prayers. Mm. This is just a book that you could pick up every day. It's a structured thing. So you're going to read a prayer from somebody else, prompt you to pray more or pray through this prayer. It's really good. Super Mm. useful. I use that one all the time. It's a great book. These next two books are going to give you two different views on baptism. And I'll let you figure that out by reading them. So the first one, uh, one is just called Baptism Answers to Common Questions by Guy Richards, who's a uh, professor at the Reformed Theological Seminary. And then Believer's Baptism, um, Sign of the New Covenant in Christ. Two good books on baptism, different views on baptism right there presented. You should read them both. And then our boy R.C. Sproul with The Sacraments. That's what the book's called, The yeah, Sacraments. The Sacraments. Go read that and one. And that is about, believe it or not, The Sacraments. There you go. So that's for the layman. That's for the everyday man. But if you want to really dig into some of the stuff a little deeper, there's one called Lord's Supper as a Means of Grace, More Than a Memory by Richard Barcelos. And that one really is trying to go against the whole idea that it's just for memory. It's just for a physical means. And then the one you're going through yeah, for the nerds. For the nerds, because Tyler's a nerd, Gerhas Voss's volume set called Reform Dogmatics, but this one specifically is on ecclesiology, which is the nerd theology word. of the church, and it's also means of grace and eschatology, which is end times. Really good. Something I learned through that is a Latin word for sacrament. We actually get from the Greek word that means mystery. Even in the definition of the sacrament, there's also just always been this caveat of like, this is mysterious. We don't know how. It works, but this is the way God conveys grace. Yeah. It's an easy read, but it is more nerdy for sure. 
And one thing I want to add to this is the Psalms. Learn how to pray through the Psalms. That's good. Read the scripture through the Psalms. And of course, we're always going to recommend that you read your Bible. All right. So we got a uh, motivational quote. Super motivational so quote. So motivational. So we want to remind you listeners that you're so special. You are one in a million. And that means that there are still 7,874 people just like you. And that number is still growing. Yeah, in 2023, <laughs> they're saying there are going to be over 8,000 of you. You're so special. So don't even try. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>